Katie, you know what doesn't get enough attention? Turfs? Do turfs not get enough attention? Thank you. Every, you know, they just, they run the world. These trans-exclusionary radical feminists, they are slowing down my internet. They're disrupting the banking system. Most of my relationship failures can be chalked up to turfs in one way or another. I just wish progressive media outlets would write more about turfs. Sigh. I completely agree with you. The handle on my garage is broken. Whose fault do you think that is? Turfs. Turfs snuck in and broke. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody threw their dog shit in my garbage can. Whose fault do you think that was? Turfs. Turfs always turfs. Uh, Donald Trump was president for four years. Whose fault do you think that was? Turfs. It's all, it always comes down to turfs. You know what really gets my goat is I think the New York Times opinion page has only done four or five columns covering the turf menace. God, they should really do better. I know. It's like, it's like, oh, uh, should we cover the Nazis? I don't know. Let's, let's just not ignore them. Like, do, like, there should be a weekly column about turfs in the New York Times because no one has more influence on the world than middle-aged lesbians in the UK. <laughs> exactly. You know, which is why that it's good that we have this podcast where we can talk about TERFs every other week or so. All I think about is TERFs. Like, when the first thing when I wake up in the morning is I'm like, fucking TERFs. And then I go to bed, I'm like, goddamn TERFs. And I just, Katie, you know this, but I hate them so much it sometimes disrupts our ability to record this podcast. Yeah, you just dream about TERFs all the time, just this internal rage because TERF, TERF, TERF. Okay, let's let's get to the heart of the <laughs> and episode. And scene. And scene. That's the entire episode. Okay, today we are going to be talking about surprise TERFs. Again, we do not want this to be a podcast about trans issues. However, the mainstream media is making it difficult for us. Uh, example A, this week, The Atlantic published a piece entitled – well, really, there's two titled, titles. The first title was – Turfs and the Donald, the future of Reddit's banned groups. That was quickly changed to the secret internet of turfs. After they were banned from Reddit, trans-exclusionary radical feminists became the latest of many toxic communities to simply build their own platform. This piece was by Caitlin Tiffany. You may know her as the author of My Little Pony Fans Are Ready to Admit They Have a Nazi Problem. <laughs> That's so mean. If you took – okay, I'm sorry, but if you cherry-pick some of my headlines over the <laughs> Okay, she might not have written those headlines in particular. However, she is responsible for at least two pieces of batshit crazy journalism. Uh, and the one that we're going to talk about is the one about TERPs that came out today, or it came out this week. Okay, so the, the TLDR version of this is that Caitlin Tiffany writes that basically TERPs are a hate group. And I, I want to go ahead and like acknowledge here that the term TERF is used almost entirely in a disparaging manner, right? People do not generally self-identify as TERFs. The, it's an acronym for trans-exclusionary radical feminists, but it has been stretched to mean basically anybody who doesn't like like every one of Charlotte Clymer's tweets on, on Twitter. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and you've seen people try to argue it's a slur. I disagree with that because like – there is a subset of, of radical feminists who are trans-exclusionary and who just don't think there's any place for trans women in women's spaces at all. And in a radical way, I disagree with. But as you're saying, the term is now fucking meaningless because like, I'm a turf. I'm clearly not a radical feminist. I'm a misogynist. Uh, you're a turf. <laughs> you're a chaser. A it's like, <laughs> I'm a chaser. Not only does the term get applied to anyone, but it really is seen as basically as bad as Nazi, meaning if you've been deemed a turf, you shouldn't have a platform. It's okay to try to, you know, get you ousted from your job, which has happened. It's just, it's a potent rhetorical cudgel. 
Anyway, it's an inflammatory term, and the fact that The Atlantic used it in a headline shows you where the author stands already. Before you even read the piece, you know that if it has turf in the headline, it's going to be sort of anti-radical feminist in this particular case. Yeah, it's it's just – it's also – look, we've made this point before, but on the grand scheme of like all the reasons trans people suffer, and they do suffer, the role of a small group of like British – what philosophers and sociologists it's just it's a ridiculous thing to focus on in context and the only reason it's focused on is because for people who are very on twitter there are these fights between turfs and trans activists and it's like the most heated thing in the world it's similar to why you and i get denigrated as like evil because people are just have way more run-ins with us than with like republican state legislatures trying to make life harder for trans people Right. And this example, this, this piece is a great example of that. I'm going to not use the word turf for the rest of the, except in, in the context of quoting for the rest of this piece, because I do think that it's a, a negative term and I'm not going to get to apply it to people. You can continue to call people turfs. I'm not going to. I'm going to call everyone a turf. Okay. So, um, the piece is basically about how this one subreddit was kicked off of Reddit and the, the Reddit was, or the subreddit was called gender critical. And, uh, what they did, the, the, some of the moderators of this group and some other people, what they did was they created their own platform. Um, and we should, we should explain what gender critical is, right? Yeah. Gender critical is a, is a basically a philosophical stance, um, that argues that sex is fixed and that gender should be dismantled. Yeah. Or gender is basically all a, a sociological construct. And the reason this uh, clashes with some trans ideology is in some corners of the trans community, your sex is one thing, but your gender is like fixed basically in your brain. Like your gender identity is female, meaning that deep down you're really a female and gender is very important in, in that mode. And some feminists find that regressive because they're like, what does that mean to feel like a woman? Uh, so that that's the basic battleground. Right. Okay. So Caitlin Tiffany, uh, to compare, she, so she focuses on this, this group of gender, this gender critical subreddit, but she also compares it over and over to a subreddit called the Donald that was also kicked off of Twitter as well as some like incel groups. Um, the Donald is sort of, it's not a place where I've spent any time, but it was notorious for like racist memes and conspiracy theories. And so it seems like what Caitlin Tiffany is trying to do is argue that these toxic online communities were kicked off of Reddit and then they just popped up somewhere else and now they're sort of, uh, you know, they're in their own corner of the internet and maybe that's worse because they, I mean, not that I think she has a problem with Reddit kicking them off, but now they're sort of unchecked uh, because they have their own their own communities. So I think that the like fundamental flaw here is that she was trying to make this one particular argument, uh, you know, after you're kicked off of Reddit, these groups are, are forming their own groups. And she was looking for like a very toxic group. But instead of finding a group that actually does engage in like conspiratorial thinking or abject racism or sexism or threats or hate speech entirely, um, what she does is she chose the gender critical subreddit, which actually, I mean, lots of people would argue that it's transphobic, but it wasn't what it, the argument that it should have been kicked off of Reddit in the first place, I think is pretty thin because it, what it didn't do is like, there were no threats on the gender. I mean, I guess it, it, if you believe that saying, believing trans women aren't women is like the same as believing something racist, uh, then, then yeah, it should have been kicked off. And that's increasingly the position the big tech companies take is that any of you other than trans men are men and trans women are women is not just wrong, but so wrong as to merit, uh, deplatforming. So, it, that I mean, in my my problem all along is like there has to be a process for talking these things out. Most people in the world do not 
believe in sort of the woke version of what gender is, which which also changes day to day. I mean, stuff that that was just spoiler played five years ago now can get you in big trouble. So yeah, there's been a huge focus on why how the TERFs and the gender critical feminists have to go and should be deplatformed from from Reddit and Twitter and wherever else. Okay, so this piece uh, centers on one main character, Mary Kate Fain. Mary Kate actually has a very interesting story that uh, Caitlin Tiffany did not go into at all. She one of the problems with this article is that she spends like lots of time talking about these various platforms, super boring shit, nobody cares. Um, like like the different technology involved in stuff. Nobody cares. I don't know why this got made into the beast. What she doesn't talk about is the fact that Mary Kate Fain, so she's a she's a software engineer. She lives in Texas. Um, so she was fired from a tech company uh, and I believe it was in Philly for writing a blog post on her on her own blog um, called "Non-Binary is the New Not Like the Other Girls" and is deeply rooted in misogyny. She was also kicked off of Medium, and so one of her one of the reasons she was she, fired for arguing against non-binary. Like- she, yeah, we'll post links here. She's written about this. She was so she was fired from her job. Um, uh, she was asked to sign an NDA. She didn't do it, but so she actually posted the email from her from her company firing her because she violated the social media policy by posting on. Her her private blog, uh, this piece about how non-binary is rooted in misogyny. Um, after that happened, she she was also involved in all of these DEI efforts, diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts within her company, mostly advocating for, for women in tech within this particular company. And all of her friends dropped her after she wrote this piece. These people that she had been working with on these DEI efforts and had been defending, um, they all dropped her. So she has she has a very personal, interesting story. None of that made it into the piece. Instead, what Caitlin Tiffany writes is that Mary Kate Fain uh, was basically like, you know, your standard, you know, uh, standard SJW, believe that trans women are women. And then she got online and got radicalized. And I want to read you just a few sections of this paper, of this Atlantic piece. After volunteering at a domestic violence shelter and experiencing an abusive relationship herself, she committed to some of the radical feminist ideology most often affiliated with the second wave icon Andrea Dworkin, which is focused on the roots and prevalence of male violence. Eventually, her beliefs radicalized further. She became convinced that gender is fixed, trans women are men, and trans rights activism is just another weapon of the patriarchy. Okay, so a couple things here. For one, she got that wrong, right? So, so feminists, radical feminists don't believe that gender is fixed. They believe that sex is fixed and that gender should be abolished. That, so Mary Kate, after the piece was published, she complained about it and they, she asked them to change it to, she believes sex is fixed and gender should be abolished. Instead of just changing it to what she actually believes, they just remove that, that sentence entirely. And, and that just suggests like, sorry to interrupt you, but that just suggests an author who has no familiarity with any of this because exactly. A, a radical feminists do not believe gender is fixed. They mean it's they believe it's made up. B, if anyone in this argument believes gender is fixed, it's a subset of trans activists. Exactly. She got it completely wrong. So that's the first thing. The second thing is just this idea that the belief that sex is fixed and that trans women aren't literal women is not that is not a radical position to hold. It's like saying, you know, she went on Reddit and she became radicalized to believe that the earth is a sphere. <laughs> you know, this is not a radical position to hold at all. And unless you're like a hyper online sort of, you know, woke millennial, if you poll 99% of the fucking human population, they're going to agree with you that trans women are not literal females. Right. I mean, look, it's this endless, endless sort of literary theory style word games where you're they put you in a corner. Are they men? Are they women? There's a difference between saying they should be treated as women and that they are biologically female. And the reason this keeps coming up on our podcast is because every fucking day someone else tries to get someone fired over this like game of rhetorical Calvin ball. So 
Right. To present that as a radical belief that trans women aren't literally women is just a little bit crazy and just just out of touch. I mean, and and even like five years ago, if you had said, yeah, trans women are trans women, people wouldn't have like batted a fucking eye about this. But now this is has somehow become a radical belief, which also shows you how quickly these things have changed. Um, okay, I think it will be helpful if we just like go through some more passages in the in the piece. Is that okay with you? Kill me. <laughs> okay, so this is um, she she writes. Among other online feminists, the common name for the group Fane found is trans exclusionary radical feminists or TERFs. The name community has chosen for itself is the somewhat more palatable gender critical, though, as other feminists often point out, the name means nothing at all. All feminism is critical of gender. Couple things here. The last clause, all feminism of critical is critical of gender. That's not true. She is totally wrong about that. In fact, lots of feminism, contemporary feminism right now is the opposite, thinks that gender should be this sort of, uh, reified. Um, and then at the beginning of the sentence, among other online feminists, the common name for the group Fane found is, is TERFs. It's not online feminists who are calling people TERFs. It's mostly trans activists and their allies. So like another just basic error there. There's so many errors in this piece. I got, um, I got Mary Kate Fane to send me a list of them. Um, so that's where most of this is coming from. Um, and I'm not going to read all of them because we don't have time for that. And there's just too fucking many. Um, okay. Another interesting point here. This is from the piece. TERFs constitute a, quote, minority of minority of feminists, end quote, says Grace Lavery, a UC Berkeley literature professor and writer. <laughs> Nevertheless, this tiny group has attracted a disproportionate amount of attention in the past several years, in large part so- thanks to social media platforms. Okay, where do we begin with this? Grace the Lavery. Passive, the Jesse- passive voice. Oh, sorry. Yes. There's so much to say. Start with Grace. Start yes. with Grace. Okay. Grace Lavery is someone who, who has, who, if you listen to this podcast, you are probably familiar with. We have mentioned Grace before. Grace is a UC Berkeley professor. We have both had run-ins with her. Um, and she recently made the news because she advocated for burning Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage. She later said that this was a joke. Haha. Ha, just kidding. But if you look, she posted this thread about like advocate, basically saying like, I want you to steal this book and, and burn it on a pyre. And then she went through this whole thread about why it's okay okay to burn books because it's just this like material thing and it's not burning ideas or whatever and then she got piled on and she said like oh i was just kidding ha ha woe is me or whatever the best the best was when she like she mentioned this horrible historic incident where the nazis burned this irreplaceable archive of sexual research and she seemed to be saying that okay well you know burning this one book isn't as bad as what the nazis did which i i I do agree with that (laughs) It's book, book burning is bad. Let's just not burn fucking books. Even if yes. we don't like them, yeah. let's not burn books. Um, okay. So, all right, moving on. Oh, wait, actually, can I say one more thing about the last thing? Yeah, yeah. Calling them a minority of a minority, like, no, no. I mean, if you actually force people to answer questions about their beliefs on stuff, and if making, if saying trans women aren't literally women make, makes you a turf, I think most feminists are, are secretly TERFs. If that's the, if that's the standard we're going with. Humans. I would say that humans are mostly secretly yes. TERFs. Yeah, humans. Yeah, humans definitely are. And then that phrasing of like, why TERFs gain so much attention despite there being so few of them. Why might that be? That's because outlets like the Atlantic won't fucking stop writing about them because the Times has done column after column after column because they're the new sort of scapegoat for everything. Like it's not, it's not a mystery why they get attention and you, the author, are contributing to that. Exactly. Okay. So another paragraph. On these sites and others, they use many of the same trolling tactics as other internet based French political movements to disrupt conversation, skew reality, and make the internet another dangerous place for trans women through doxing and harassment. 
harassment. Anti-trans activists have used social media to call out specific trans women who use women's bathrooms, for instance, labeling, labeling them as predators and pedophiles and promising to resist them by any means necessary, be it pepper spray or pistol. If you cling to the pistols link, here's what this goes to. It goes to a piece in the Huffington Post from 2006. Here's the headline. Liberty Council President says she'll bring a gun into Target's bathroom. This is about a lawyer for a right-wing group that represented Kentucky clerk Kim Davis. This is not about a gender-critical feminist. This is about a right-winger. That has nothing to do with any, I mean, that has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. Absolutely nothing to do with it. And in that same that same paragraph, this is something that Mary-Kate um, Fain pointed out to me. One of the sources that she links here is to an example from Milo Yiannopoulos, right? So she's just like posting in links from people who have been assholes to trans people and pretending that they are all gender-critical feminists. Milo is not a fucking gender-critical feminist. Milo is not a feminist. I don't understand how this possibly got through the Atlantic's fact-checking, but it somehow did. Yeah, I don't. She's not picking. She's like, she's trying to find just the most uh, inflammatory stuff she can find and then fit it into this narrative. But if she had to go to someone from Liberty Council, it's unclear what that has to do with radical feminism. The whole thing's just very weird. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we won't go through the whole article um, because there's just like too much in here. And um, one interesting that Mary Kate Fain did, and we'll, we'll put a, a, a link in the show notes, is she posted all of her email correspondence with um, with Caitlin Tiffany on her website. And it's really worth reading because Caitlin Tiffany would ask her these questions about things like hate speech. Um, and, and Fain would give these like very enlightening answers. Um, like, for instance, you know, during this email correspondence, Tiffany, Caitlin Tiffany writes, when I say hate speech, I'm talking about language that dehumanizes, slanders, or diminishes trans women based on their identity. So, for example, in this thread, and here she has a link to an over it post, a trans woman is referred to as a creature. I've recently seen people joke cruelly about how absurd it is that they're expected to accept men in lipstick as women and people writing that trans women are mostly narcissists and that they're often pedophiles. In the post I already sent you, several, several women were making fun of the Trans Day of Remembrance, which is an annual observance for trans people who have been murdered and hate crimes and this is tif- this is a uh, mary kate fan's response Thanks for providing these amples for context to your question. I think it's a real stretch to classify any of this as hate speech, though. It's telling that you've not been able to find a single instance of actual expressions of hate, calls for glorification of violence, threats, organized harassment, or doxing in the gender-critical online community, all things women experience online daily. Instead, you've got some rowdy feminists making jokes, participating in armchair psychology, and a bit of name-calling that could be be considered tame anywhere else on the web. Women put up one-tenth of the fight of men online, and we get labeled as hateful. And I think she's totally right about this. I've been watching these communities for several years now. I have never seen a gender critical feminist threaten a trans woman. I've never seen this. I've never fucking seen this. You see it all the time from trans activists. And she doesn't mention this at all. She uses Grace Lavery and her other source, her other source on how horrible gender critical feminists are is Caitlin Burns. That was, I mean, that was unbelievable. We've her names come up on before because she spent sort of a year and a half fabricating uh, conversations that never existed. She's fabricated stuff about other people. I'm looking at a cease and desist. The lawyer for a so-called turf sent her, and and she's just demonstrably lied about everything. And she's taken as an authority here, and it's just insane. Like, at at what point do you lie so much that people no longer take you seriously? I I found that frustrating. I found it frustrating to echo what you said. this idea that there's a particularly large amount of abuse and harassment coming from the gender critical side, 
I mean, I wrote a piece for the Atlantic that caused some of the most insane abuse I've ever experienced. And, and you've experienced similar abuse. And it's, it's crazy. I mean, it was, for me, it was a couple sort of death or violent threats. It was people spreading rumors about me, a real attempt to destroy my career. No good faith journalist could dip a toe into this debate and come away thinking that in terms of behavior rather than ideology, maybe you have an ideological problem with gender critical people, but no one could think that they're responsible for the most bad behavior. That's just insane. Just just Google kill turfs or punch turfs. Or I mean, I could have sent her a million examples of this, but she's, she didn't look for them. No. Okay. So in this section about Caitlin Burns, she writes, the journalist Caitlin Burns wrote last year about how the internet is weaponized against trans people. She has personally been doxxed, been harassed on Twitter and watched members of the art of the gender critical subreddit dig up and mock pictures of her taken with her, her children before her transition. I assume that the last part is true. However, when, when Caitlin Burns says that she was doxxed, Caitlin, Caitlin Burns was doxxed on Kiwi Farms. Kiwi Farms is not a platform for fucking feminists. It's like a men's rights extremist platform. It is not gender. It's more complicated than that. They just basically make fun of like everyone, but they're, yeah, they, they absolutely dox and harass people. Yeah. They absolutely do, but this is not coming from the gender critical subreddit. It's coming from a totally different, a totally different, you know, corner of the internet. So I guess the way the piece works is it, it tap dances between these two positions that gender critical people are doing mean things, but then the actual links more support the idea that on the internet, some people are mean, which like... Yeah, yep. and I am, you know, I did not spend a lot of time on the gender critical subreddit. I, I dipped into it every once in a while to read some posts, but this wasn't like where I hung out on the internet. Um, and I, it would not surprise me at all if there were, if it was toxic. And part of that is, isn't because of the ideology. It's because internet communities turn toxic. There's just like, like once you've yeah. been around for long enough, like I've never seen any sort of cult subculture not turn toxic. And there are some tactics that gender critical feminists use that I totally disagree with. I do not misgender people. I do not think they should misgender people, not just because it's unkind, but I think it's also counterproductive to your cause. Um, you know, I would not call a trans woman a man. I would not call a trans man a woman. I would never do that stuff. They do this stuff. I think it's unkind. Yeah. But there's a big difference between being unkind and being a hate group or engaging in hate speech, which doesn't even like hate speech is not even a fucking like term in American jurisprudence. This was uh this line was incredible. On over it, us versus them language is everywhere. <laughs> like as opposed to the broader conversation about gender, which is just rich with nuance and understanding and charity. The, these gender critical feminists, they're sliding into us versus them language, God for I mean it's just it it's crazy that this got published like i don't i don't get it uh, even okay the next sentence after that they've been this is a quote they've been working for years now to censor and steer conversation on social media one recent comment read under a post that warned be careful as they're setting traps for us that they refers to outsiders back on reddit so what they're saying here is basically like this is this is gender critical feminists complaining about being censored they are being censored they are literally being censored this is not paranoia they're being censored that literally, it's literally true that they got kicked off Reddit and you can get off, tw kicked off Twitter for saying like, you know, a man cannot become a woman. I mean, it's literally true and it's presented as us versus them. Right. Paranoid. And then her, her concluding paragraph, if you spend hours a day on this site and the site in her case, in this case is over it, it would be easy to forget what the broader world is really like. It would be easy to forget what other people are really like too and to lose any curiosity about what they experience. Is she writing about herself right now? It is just so totally self, so unaware, so Dude, unaware. It's so frustrating. It's also like, it's so, to, to sort of normies, not that normies are up on this debate, but it's just so obvious that like, 
mainstream outlets are producing these pieces that have completely picked a side. And I don't mind picking a side if the question is like, should trans people be allowed to live or have basic dignity or rights? But on these- Nobody is doing that. Nobody is doing that. I, I mean, the conversations are just more nuanced. Like, should there be trans women in women's sports? Should children have the right to, to, to transition? Um, nobody is, I've never seen anywhere online or offline any sort of gender critical feminist or turf or whatever you want to call them ever debate a trans person right to exist. That doesn't happen. But that's the brilliance of the tactic of any disagreement is you are literally violently attacking me. Right. Right. It just it means you have you have a justification to shut down any view you disagree with. We'll post links to Mary Kate Fain's response to it, which I think is really good. And you can see she's just like incredibly polite and kind and like goes out of her way to explain what she actually believes. And Caitlin Tiffany just distorts all of it. The the reason one of the reasons obviously one of the reasons this keeps coming up is there's a lot of it out there. Another reason it keeps coming up is writing about these issues were formative experiences for both of us. But I just want to like point out you can't hide from the fact that there are going to be public debates on these subjects. Just yesterday, Tulsi Gabbard came out opposed to trans women uh, competing. In on women's teams, and those discussions are going to happen across the country. And you cannot bully people uh, out of having those discussions. It it will not work. It, it did not work in the UK, where people where self ID fell flat, despite the fact that like there was this real effort to silence people and shut them down. And I, I don't know, like it's just it's delusional to think that you're going to prevent people from talking about potential changes of law and policy and societal norms with regard to sex and gender and this has been going on for years now and if anything it's gotten um more and more intense and there's more and more of an attempt to absolutely ruin the life of anyone who disagrees on this stuff and that's profoundly unhealthy and i think that's part of the reason we're going to keep talking about it yeah, and this really, there's, there's a lot to talk about here, not just this piece, but the whole issue and how the media is covering this. And, and Caitlin Tiffany didn't get into any of the nuances or any of the interesting parts. This was just sort of a, you know, this they was just do. a diatribe, you know, it's just yeah. really, and it's, and the, the worst part is, is this is, was like, it's posing as journalism. Um, you know, this was not apparently an op-ed, except that it was an op-ed. It just, you couldn't tell. So overall, you liked it? <laughs> yes, I think it should get a Pulitzer. Uh, yeah, look, I, I I initially tried to not chime in on this on Twitter because I just knew it would make me mad. But just like it, it's it, – you cannot – one more time. You cannot look at the way this debate happens online or which side has to sort of operate behind pseudonyms and try to not get – when was the last time someone got fired from a major platform for being like, quote, unquote, too pro-trans? Probably the 80s. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's it's just like just there are things here worth discussing. And I think and I hope we do this, that you can do it in a way that is mindful and respectful of people's beliefs, but not cultish. And this is getting a little bit cultish. And it is sad to me how many journalists are letting this happen. Journalists who should understand that it is not in their interest to create an ecosystem where like one wrong turn and your career is ruined and you're not allowed to write about certain subjects anymore. And you know, for every thing we mention on this podcast, there's like a million crazy things happening behind the scenes within newsrooms that we can't talk about. So it's just, it's not good. No, it's not good. You know what I bet this is? This is your fault, Jesse. This is all part of the Atlantic's apology tour for publishing you two years ago <laughs> or a year ago, whatever that was. They're just worldwide apology tour. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I have not written about that subject, uh, in a mainstream outlet since then. That's what my newsletter is useful for. <laughs> I don't think you will be writing about it for a mainstream no. I mean, that, well, honestly, that's like, this is 
whatever. I, I'm, I'm, I have a book out. I have a podcast. I'm very fortunate. But like, usually if you develop expertise in a subject, which I did because I had to write a fucking 13,000 word story, you can then apply that sourcing and that expertise to future work. This is the one time I hope ever where it's just like, all that work is basically useless now except for newsletter posts because I just like I, – I can't write about this really. And that's – just as a journalist, that's frustrating because like part of the reason you devote all that time and spend all those hours on the phone is because like this could spin off into future stories. But uh yeah, uh, I don't – it's just not – probably not going to happen. But that, that's okay. You could publish at The Federalist. That's what I'm saying. Like the only choice is like right-wing outlets that I uh, am pretty ideologically opposed to. So – that is not going to Although, happen. to be fair, I bet Reason would, would take you up on some of these, but. Yeah. Yeah. Reason would write some of them, but it's like, I don't know. The kid stuff in particular is legitimately thorny debate of like what the process for blockers and hormones should look like, especially in light of the court ruling in, in the UK that I'm sure we'll talk about at some point that basically seems it's going to make it harder for under 18 kids to, to get uh, blockers and hormones, I believe. I don't know the full details, but the point is, this conversation just doesn't seem to really be happening except on the right, which is uh, it's a shame. Yeah. And on this podcast. And on the bravest, not only the bravest podcast in human history, but the bravest endeavor in human the history. The only podcast. The first podcast. The first online podcast. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. I can't believe nobody thought of this before we did. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Goodbye.